The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Off track with Hinch and Ross. We need a theme song that's like acoustic. Why? It's acoustic. We have yeah. a theme song. I've never listened, so I wouldn't know. I, you have been sent it quite a few times. <laughs> <laughs> so we have like an acoustic theme song? It's not acoustic, but it's a theme song. Mm, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Hello and welcome to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. We're going to do introductions. I'm Alex Rossi. And that. I'm James Hinchcliffe. James and Hinchcliffe. that's them. And we had a theme song that you just heard that you've probably heard if you've listened to the show before, but Alex is hearing for the first time. And by that, I mean, he didn't hear it because he's not listening to the show and we don't actually play it in person. Wouldn't that be weird if we did, if we just sat here for like 30 seconds listening to it, it every be, time? It'd be super. Can we do it with like a live band though? It's like at one of our, like this patch in another video feed with a live band. Did that's we playing pay someone song. to make it? Like, no, how did that come it's, to be? It's our friends at Sirius, they have like a catalog of songs. So Chris, who helps us out, uh, sent a bunch of options, and we, he and I talked about it, whittled it down, found one that worked. I added some did like I have radio a in chatter. This? I sent you the options. (laughs) You did not listen to the options. I listened to them and gave feedback. (laughs) You just, Uh, you just don't care. Okay. I added some radio stuff that I found of you guys. This this brings up an interesting conversation James and I had earlier today um, about him caring far too much about his inbox and like how many emails he has in it at any given time. Okay. So I said, I have 11,720 right now. I mean, that's way more than me. <laughs> that's 11x what I have. I said to Alex, I was like, look, I hate, I'm like, oh man, I hate when, you know, you've left your your emails unattended for a weekend or something or like haven't got back to everything because you were working, for example, in a different country just to throw out a completely rare possibility. And I'm like, well, then you answer what, them working? all. I'm like, oh yeah, so working away this weekend in a different country. It's exactly what I was doing, which is why my inbox had 10 unread emails, 10 that I needed to get to. So I replied to them all and I was like, yes, I feel so good. And then like within an hour, all those, it's a conversation, I guess. And so all those people have replied back. And so now my inbox has 10 emails again, at least. And I just start, "Ah, I don't like it. I just, you know, I I was running around all day, whatever. So Alex is like, oh yeah, uh, you're dumb. My email inbox has 1,200 unread emails. And I was just like, how do you do that? And when it gets and to 1,204, then I know I've got four. Yeah, I don't even do that. I just check what's on the top and just assume everything else is fine. Do you, do you also, if you know it's an email you don't want to read, not open it? So then in your mind, you've never 
actually received it. Hundred percent. I do the nice. same thing with text, even though I don't have red receipts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same. That's why I have one hundred forty-one unread messages. Yeah. If I didn't oh read it, my then God. I can't be responsible for it. Correct. Uh, guys are correct. Children. You're children. Two hundred sixty-three. <laughs> yeah. You get it. Tim gets it. Yeah. 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 James, you're that's the, weirdo. the guy you. That's the guy you want to model your life decisions after. <laughs> I mean, no. Good lord! Like, on certain, yeah, things, that's we what can... you just said. No, look, look. I I will openly admit I probably care too much about some of this stuff, but just not opening stuff or no, the word because you know well, you if... don't like what's in it. You just Correct. don't open it. That is yeah. not good. All right. Well, let's talk about what kept you away from your precious emails, James. Big, Big F one guy. Big F one guy. Yes, I was working up uh, at Silverstone. This past weekend How many for the sets Grand Prix. Of the pajamas did you acquire throughout the weekend with, you know, the luxury resorts and private jets you were flying on? Like how many PJs does one come back from a trip like this with? And slippers. Is it like three sets? Do you want to well, do you want to separate them by like material, silk right. versus linen versus cotton? Or do you like monogrammed versus not monogrammed? Right, right. I don't know. Just uh, categ- categorically, many. yeah, a lot. Okay. More, more, more than the number of nights I had to sleep in them. So yeah, you know, yeah. it, it was, yeah. uh, it was. I mean, I could have gone up in the middle of the night, changed PJs, yeah, that gone back to bed, and still right. have, still have PJs. Are you going to wear the same PJs through the whole night? Oh no, it's in, that's insanity! Yeah. Like for eight, for for ten straight hours of my sleep. No, yeah, come silk, on. Silk has a half life of five hours. Everyone you don't knows even that. wear. You don't even wear clothes during Everyone the day that. for ten hours. So. <laughs> yeah. you, Nor yeah. should you. Nor should you. Um, So, yes, between my silk pajamas and private jets, uh, it was cool, man. Like, look, Silverstone is, that was always on the bucket list for me. And Alex and I were talking about this earlier. Like, that is one of their hallmark events, right? It's one of the oldest ones on the calendar. It's been around since the beginning of F1, basically. It's the home of Formula One. It's the home of Formula One. I mean, most of the teams are within a stone's throw of that place. Um, And... It was the largest, uh, the most attended three-day event for Formula One ever, like 480,000 people over three days. Um, place was packed. Four Brits in the field. They all qualified in the top 10. Two ended up on the podium. So, yes, Max won again, as he does. But uh, Lando actually led a couple laps. And McLaren was actually fast mm-hmm. and ended up on the podium. Piastri should have been on the podium. God, I felt so bad for him. Just kind of got robbed by a, by a safety car situation, but also like huge props to Hamilton for doing what he did and getting up from seventh. But yeah, it was awesome, man. It was a great, it was a great event. Um, the F1 TV folks are an absolute blast and pleasure to work with. Uh, and so, so the one thing, the one bad thing about this race, and Alex knows this firsthand, is the traffic, right? Yes. The ingress and egress can be challenging. That's where it, yes, that is where uh, it hugely benefits anybody to be friends with Jolian Palmer because Jolian is is one of my co-commentators on the F1 broadcast. And he, that guy knows Silverstone inside and out. He knows all the back ways, back routes, back doors. And because he's like a British former Formula One driver, there are certain marshals and people manning gates that like see him driving up. They're like, Oh, Hey buddy. And like give him a wink and open a gate and let him sneak through sort of thing. So we rode together and out of the track every morning. And that was an absolute lifesaver, especially Sunday night getting out of there. 
So mad props to my boy JP because that was a lifesaver. Faux show. Um, did you like that track, Alex, when you raced there? Loved it, man. It's I think it's I mean, it's Suzuka and Silverstone for me. Suzuka, Silverstone, Watkins Glen, Singapore. Like those are those are kind of top of my list, man. So yes, I thought it was even even I ne- I never got to drive the the old like the classic old one, version, yeah. um, which I'm told is better, but still like this one has pretty much a little bit of everything. That section, obviously from the old turn one and the old start finish line all the way yeah. through. Um, that gets back to two, sector, to sector three. Exactly. is just, it's some of the best sequences of corners on earth. I think. Yeah. It's we were talking about how it's like that's that's a kind of racetrack where other tracks for the last fifty years have tried to be like, oh, let's try to make it kind of like Silverstone Correct. in this section. Like Correct. That's, I mean, model that's, themselves after that place. That's what Coda did. Like Coda tried yeah, to exactly. emulate the, the Maggots Beckett section in their kind of turn three, four, five situation. They didn't, but they tried. Um yeah. but yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. The the surface, as you would expect, is fantastic. It's great in the wet. It's great in the dry. It's great drying. There's passing opportunities. There's multiple lines you can take through corners. Like it's everything that you would want in a racetrack in my mind. The only thing that it's lacking in my opinion, and Julian and I were talking about this, you could argue that like a little bit of elevation would be cool because it's a pretty flat track. Yeah, but... Not a a deal breaker. It's still like one of the best. There's a little bit. That's the only thing that you can be like, there's a tiny bit. That's not a lot. Yeah. There's no like but blind be, corners or anything right. like that from like you'd, guy. Be surpri- you'd be surprised though. Like you feel you feel some more than you would expect. Like the, there's a yeah. bit. Um, like down hanger straight's got more of a more of an incline than I thought. Yeah. Decline. And it doesn't it doesn't have um any big breaking zones either. Like turn three, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Turn three and then turn sixteen after stow. I mean, yeah, yeah ish but like, like you're going fast because those yeah, fast but like yeah for sure for sure um but yeah but yeah man i'm glad you enjoyed it in terms of the race i thought it was one of the better f1 races for the most part mm-hmm. um i thought drs was a, <laughs> in a no it was just this in this the, was a fun track tweet. at that track with these cars drs is stupid I'm not Explain. saying. Well, I believe it's pronounced because Durst. It's Durst, Durst, but whatever. Durst. Durst. Yeah. Um, Durst. The because uh, the tweet you sent out was just DRS is dumb. It was not yes. specific to that track and those cars. No, sorry. So Which I love to the people because just like lobbing the grenade, like hey, no, <laughs> no I, I'm gonna piss some people my, off. My, my majority opinion is that it is dumb. I think it was, I've watched a lot of F1 races so far this year. I thought this one was an exaggeration because like I said, that track races so well already. And so by giving the DRS right to someone, it's just, it's a, it's a no brainer sort of situation in terms of the overtake. And then it prevents the actual good racing to happen from fourth to 11th because everyone's just in this DRS train and no one's able to make lunges and and do anything to kind of get a guy offline and then do the crossover and then be on the inside for the next corner. Like it takes away that at Silverstone and it's just frustrating and it's 
it's it's a band-aid to something that yes that it's a necessary band-aid i get it yeah but i just imagine without it yes i hate the fact especially that cars in front are defenseless like that's really what yeah and that's that's the 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 big difference that I noticed a lot of people who were responding to you didn't see. They're like, oh, well, what's the difference with push to pass? Well, push to pass can be used defensively. <laughs> like, and it's a strategic well, thing where you have right. a certain amount and you've yeah, got to yeah. decide when to use yeah. it. It's like, so anyways, I, I was annoyed with that. I thought Lando did a great job. I thought Max honestly wasn't really trying that hard for most of the weekend until he actually had to. That's kind of the impression I got. He was kind of just driving around. I was like, oh, it's my last set of tires in qualifying. I need to go do it. Oh, Wait, did you? The McLaren's actually did fast. You, so I need to go pass him and win. So, so yeah. So let's talk about McLaren getting fast. But did you watch qualifying or did you I watch did. the highlights or anything? Yeah, yeah. So, like, all of it. Max, so, so Lando clocks the line, goes pole, which is just surprising in the first place. And then Max has a green sector one, not a purple sector and, one, and then yellow nothing. sector two. And so we're like, oh my God, he might actually do this. His third sector was outrageous. And like, because F1's awesome and super cool in a lot of ways, all the data is available. And so like, we got this post-qualifying like recap document that shows the overlay between the two of them. The speed difference in Stowe was unbelievable. And like why it was so impressive was because it's like high speed corners, Lando will tell you that's where the McLaren's actually quite strong. It's the lower speed stuff where they struggled. But if you remember the start of qualifying, like Hamilton pitched it off there in Q1. Everybody was having issues. It had rained. It was drying. But like that was still the sketchiest corner. Mm -hmm. So Max would have been like down. He would have seen he was down. And he was just like, I mean, I got to do it here if I'm going to do it. And just like prayed that it stuck. And it did. And so like I give credit. Look, he had to work for that one. I feel like a lot more than other ones that he's had to in the last couple races. And so I mean, he did. He did the same thing in Monaco with Alonzo. Like. A yeah, lot of purple, purple sector one and two. And then it was like, nah, I, I feel like he's, he's just playing with people. Like he's not, no, I'm I, sure he's not. No. Cause I, yeah, I would, I know he would rather be purple in all three sectors just to drive but, the point home. But also knowing him, I can, I, I know him and I know he's so bored right now. So it would not surprise me. I don't think he is, but it would not surprise me in the slightest if he's just like doing little targets for himself. And I know for sure. I know he's put, I like, I, he's the type of person that would play these mini games with himself. Like we see him do it during the race for challenge himself. Yeah. Right. So I could see him being like, let's see how far in the lap I can wait to just put a dagger (laughs) in someone (laughs) to just, cause what's, I mean with him. Oh, I didn't get pulled by one hundredth of a second. I can just go pass him on turn one of the first lap. No, no, (laughs) but he doesn't want to get second. Yeah. No, you want pole. Oh, he wants pole. It's just like getting pulled by four tenths isn't that interesting. So right, it's less getting fun. yeah, having to let, work for see, it. Yeah, I'm gonna drag my feet the first two and then right, just. Exactly. And I mean, like sector three is literally three corners. So, yeah. Like it's not even pretty like cool. you had a bunch of time pretty to do it. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, and then the On race the Lando got that. a great launch. Yeah, go ahead, Sergio. Whew. Tough. Tough look. Tough look. Um, yes, the race Lando got a great start. Had a great opening four laps. DRS is dumb. So he got boned. And then kind of Max just, it was funny because he was unhappy with the wind and the balance of his car 
yet still opening like a two tenth gap a lap. And then he put on the softs and was unhappy with the tires, yet still opening like a four tenth a lap gap. Um, so yeah, another another F one race. Um, and then the other big F one news is uh, the old Honey Badger's back. Sure is. I like I like to. I, I saw the internet today. So they, they call him the money badger now. <laughs> I mean, ain't wrong. which I think is pretty funny. It's pretty funny. Um, yeah, man. I honestly didn't see that coming. I did not think we were going to see I thought it was a done. mid-season switch, A, and then B. I, yeah, I didn't honestly necessarily think if, if they were going to move Nick DeVries out of that seat, that they would go that route. They wouldn't put in a Liam Lawson or, or somebody else. Um, I've done a bit of reading on it. I understand now why. You know, it was um, very much because they didn't want to interrupt the season that Liam's having by taking him out and stop his development, quote unquote. The car's not good. It's not like you're going to throw in another rookie and he's going to all of a sudden set the world on fire. Like it's the worst car on the grid. So throwing an established guy that can maybe give them some direction, help them develop it in a positive way. I get it. And I mean, Man, Dan looks psyched. I mean, all the, you know, everything that you hear and see and read, he looks like he's super excited and ready to go back racing. So that's, I don't think anybody wanted to see Nico, but I don't think anybody's not happy to see Danny back. And I also don't think anyone is surprised that Nick's gone. Not necessarily just because of Nick, but just the organization that he drives for is not known for their patience slash understanding slash supportive atmosphere. It's put up or shut up. And it, yeah. So here we are. Another one bites the dust. Whereas, you know, he, he clearly has the talent. He proved that through his entire career. It, it'll always be a question mark. Like if he was in a different environment and had the support structure that he needed as an individual, would he be a successful F1 driver? Quite possibly. And that, who knows? And that's just it, right? I mean, it's, it, everybody obviously defaults back to that Monza performance last year where he jumped into Williams last minute and got the thing in the points. Um, is that just a function of, Hey, that was right place, right car, right time. And he just kind of executed no expectations, no pressure really. Well, there's always pressure, but like not high expectations given the circumstances. So he excelled. Then you go into the Red Bull program, which is, the highest expectations and the most pressure. And like you say, maybe is it just a function of, yeah, fine. The car's not great, but even against his teammate, he wasn't performing to the same level. So is that just a function of the, the environment he was in and, and not suiting his personality? Yeah, for sure. I, I don't think anyone will ever know. I do think Monza though, is a, not a good gauge for a racing driver. It's a very easy track. Like, and that car, car was quick there. If your car is like low drag, then you're going to be fast. Like, it's just, it's not, there's not much to it. Um, but anyways, neither here nor there that happened. Um, we got to watch, uh, Connor and Marco in the craftsman truck series over the weekend at mid Ohio, which was a crazy, I event. think that might be my fa- new favorite form of racing. Cause that was well, just such only, a only if it's wet, Yeah, only, if <laughs> only it's in the rain <laughs> on a road course. That was a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not awesome. I, Marco and Connor, but I thought both did fine. There were a lot of things beyond their control that happened to them in that race. But uh, man, what a mess! Yep, yep. <laughs> that was very entertaining. And then um, 
What else was there? There was a cup race in Atlanta, which got shortened because of rain. Out. William Byron, um, fourth win on the year, which is crazy Mega man. to think Super. about. But yeah. what's even wilder is that had it not been shortened, or even though it was shortened, but had it not been shortened, Trackhouse potentially would have won three races in a row with their third different driver in Daniel Suarez, who finished second. So Justin Marks and company are having one hell of a run in cup. Yeah. That's really cool to see when you think about it. And Justin Marks himself is also kicking ass in trans am. He just won like races over the weekend as it's still a driver in trans am. So yeah, Yeah. it's good to be Justin Marks right now, but it's also like good things happen to good people. Like, yeah. Amen. That's, that's he, he's worked his ass off. He's a really good guy from what I know of him and um, he's getting rewarded for. It. So that was cool. And then the other race was IMSA in most sport. Um, Thank you for saying most sport, right? Instead of what? Instead of Mossport. sport. So many people oh, call it Mossport, sport, really? but okay. like, yeah, which is cause there is a Moss corner. Turn five is Moss okay. corner. But um, as you will understand, Moss has two S's, uh, as does Boss, as does Ross. And Mosport is actually short for motorsport. Right. And that's kind of dumb, though. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's dumb. I say that. I've I've heard that. I don't actually know if that's true. Okay. Like Mosport Um, Park is like motorsport. Anyway. Uh, but yes, most part. Go ahead. We had the 60 Acura uh, winning their first race of the year. I'm kidding. And they played a hell of a fuel strategy game. And yeah, um, big time. Like what was, uh, what was crazy is, so they, they took a gamble. They were essentially like, I didn't fully understand it when they said this because it's not possible, but they were very short on very short, you know, how, how much fuel they had to make it. And there was a late yellow when the Oh one car crashed. Um, but up, there was only like six minutes left and Colin Brown opened up like a six, seven second gap. And so I don't imagine that they were just going to pit with one minute to go. Maybe they were, I don't know, but Mike Shank was telling the NBC pit reporters that they were good on fuel and that they were fine. So I would imagine they were fine. And the fact that he had to have been saving fuel because there's no way that he saved enough in the beginning of the stint to just go flat out at the end because they weren't leading in that, at that time. So anyways, they had a massive fuel advantage to the 10 car, which was the other Acura, which is, was the dominant manufacturer and car for the weekend. And Colin Brown dumped them. Like dump Philippe Albuquerque, which is saying something. So like they were incredible. To, and to it's a it's a hard track to save fuel at because it's yeah. so fast. Like it's yeah. so much throttle carried around that lap. It's a really yeah. difficult place to save fuel. So obviously the car was hooked up. Colin was making some magic happen. Uh, mm-hmm. And so yeah, great for them. Well well deserved win um, under pretty tricky circumstances. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. 
all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. While we're talking about Meyer Shank, probably should bring up news that just dropped. Well, if you're listening to this, it dropped a few days ago, but literally dropped right before we started recording this. Meyer Shank's IndyCar team, Simon Pagenaud, not clear to race. Tom Blomquist is getting in the car. Is this just mm-hmm. confirming rumors that like he's already done his deal for next year? I mean, it certainly looks that way, but uh, stranger things have happened. Were you guys yeah. expecting it to be Connor or was this not a shock that it was Blumquist? I, I wasn't, well, I wasn't expecting Pagano to not be in the car to be fair. totally yeah. honest. So, so I, I think, mean, wasn't I think thinking about that. There's been enough noise around Tom. Tom's obviously a part of the family in the sense that he drives the 60 car for Meyer Shank. They know him very well. He's expressed his interest in IndyCar. He's tested their IndyCar. He's done a good job in their IndyCar. They like him. So, it makes sense. Like the, the, the I, I truly believe the only reason that he didn't get the call in mid Ohio, no offense to Connor is just logistically. Like they couldn't get Tom yeah, from wherever he was, he was out of the country, to Ohio yeah. quick enough. Um, so the fact that it's not an IMSA weekend and Simon, unfortunately isn't able to go again. I think that it makes a lot of sense just from a, for sure. Personnel standpoint. The, the tricky thing for Tom is that's, a track he wouldn't have been to before. And that's a hell of a place to jump in for your first city car race. Potentially again, not the event, but potentially the worst track we go to. The the challenge of that track in those cars is immense. And with what, I mean, I think he's done like two test days. Um, Sebring, you know, (laughs) yeah. With the quote unquote street circuit that we run at. Um, yeah, man, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough situation, but you know, you got to put someone in the car. And if, if this is in fact, something they're gearing towards for next year, it makes sense to get him some experience. So he doesn't show up next year having, you know, he at least know this place. Um, so yeah, uh, tough break for Simon. I, I was not expecting that it sucks that, uh, that he's not in the car. Speaking of Toronto, there's been all this stuff made about, the pit lane and how many cars there are and how it's not going to, I mean, is this going to be 
like actually as big of a cluster as it sounds, or is this going to be another one of those situations where we show up and it's not that bad? It is going to be a cluster. However, IndyCar is trying. I would give them that they are, they are trying, they've widened the pit exit now um, to where two cars can kind of fit between the wall separating the track from pit lane and the inside wall. They have extended pit lane slightly, um, but it's still 27 cars for like 25 and a half boxes. So it's, it's tough, but it's certainly, they've made adjustments from previous years to accommodate. They haven't just been like, oh, we'll see what happens when we get there. So they have been yeah. proactive and are trying. It's a very difficult, tight. like, there's only the real estate that they have. Like, there's only so much. Yeah. Can. They're working with a set footprint. So it is a challenge for sure. Uh, but look, man, every, every time something like this comes up or a challenge at a new track, especially street circuits comes up, like, we figure it out. As a series, we just work together. We make it yeah, happen. Yeah, and that's... And that's we'll kind of what I was again. going for. Is it going to be like Detroit again, where everyone's like, oh, it's going to be a total mess. And then it was like, that eh, was actually pretty, pretty solid race. Like, yeah, that's just, that's just kind of how it works. We're bitching afterwards, but yeah, I see <laughs> what you're saying. All right. Um, we did have a question from our buddy at Sirius, Chris, and he was asking about how it works in F1 when one teammate will get their car upgraded or whatever. And the other one will have to wait a little longer because that, that happened with McLaren. Right. And obviously it ended up being a very good upgrade. McLaren's way more competitive now, but uh, can you guys touch on that a bit? I I think we've talked about it before, but I don't actually listen when you guys talk. It's just high card. You just pull a card out of a deck. Yeah. It's just, yeah. But I mean, why wouldn't they just do them at the same time? So there, so you gotta remember these cars are being, yeah, these cars are being developed throughout the year, right? They are constantly evolving. And oftentimes there are restrictions on how much you can manufacture in a given time. So when you, you just, you'd come up with a new concept for a part, you put it through CFD, then you maybe prototype it, put it in the wind tunnel, decide it works, then you have to manufacture it. There is a chance that only one full car set of parts can be available by the time everything's shipping to a certain race. So in this case, McLaren had some uh, updates coming and only one car set was going to be built in time for Austria. Obviously, Lando's going to get that because he's the number one driver. He's not a rookie, all that. All that. There's, there, it makes complete sense that if you can only get one car's worth of stuff, it's going to go to Lando in that particular case. So by Silverstone, more stuff had come. Oscar had uh, everything Lando had in Austria, but we found out after the race, actually, that there were even still a couple new parts that came for Silverstone that Lando had that Oscar didn't. So by Hungary, I think they're both supposed to be up to the same spec and the most current of everything. But it's just a it's just a manufacturing issue. It takes lead time, as we know, with the cost cap. There's only so much uh, wind tunnel time you can use and stuff like that. So gone are the days where you can just throw boatloads of money at a problem and make 10 of everything and have it shipped off. You kind of have to be a little bit more strategic in that stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why Lando had it first. Uh, well, that's why sometimes only one car has it. And in that case, you know, Lando had it first cause he's, he's the team leader. So it so, sort of makes sense where it gets trickier is teams like Ferrari that kind of have a more even footing teams like Mercedes where it's more of an even footing. Um, and in that case, it often is Alex, correct me if I'm wrong. a, 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 a hey look last time you got 
the new stuff first. So this time you get the first of the new stuff first and they kind of just rotate back and forth or something like that. Yeah. hundred percent. Unless there's a clear defined number one, number two, that's how it works. And, and I think actually McLaren, James, you, you nailed it. It's not that Lando is necessarily number one. Oscar's done a fantastic job. It's just that he's rookie, right? So he's not going to have the same priority next year. I don't think that'll be the case. And it'll be more of a back and forth type of program. Yeah, man, that's Oscar did a, banging job when you think about oh, yeah. it like to put it p3 in his rookie year in a, in a qualifying monza. session <laughs> at not monza um and then to like you know that was the first time it was the first weekend he was racing up front he went wheel to wheel with max in turn one yeah. you know he didn't put a foot wrong and that's kind of for me what's been really impressive about his rookie season is when you compare it to the other rookies he's had a lot fewer like unforced errors in races and in practices and stuff like that. He's just been, he's just been solid. Hasn't like been lighting the timesheets up. He's not beating Lando regularly. He's doing it occasionally, which is impressive in itself because Lando's on like absolute peak form right now, but he just made no mistakes really. And running up front in a Grand Prix for the first time, made no mistakes, just got hosed by the safety car. Very like pretty much should have had a podium. Uh, So it was a, it was a hell of a drive. He did a, did a tremendous job. Did young Oscar Piastri. Very nice. Very nice. Great success. Well, then um, uh, what, okay. what should we look forward to in uh, this weekend coming up? Toronto. So, Alex, how do you feel about Toronto other than saying it's the worst track we go to? I don't like it, but <laughs> I've had, I've had, I've had uh, mild to moderate success there. Um, you've had a couple podiums there, right? Yeah. So it's fine. I mean, it, here's the thing. If your car is good, like it's, it's pretty fun. It, it, it's actually a lot of fun because it, it's kind of all about, it's, it's similar to Laguna in a sense where it's all about kind of yaw control. So you're not so much concerned about being precise with anything. It's all about kind of timing a slide and to get, rotation in weird parts of the corner based on grip and surface changes and all that sort of thing. You don't really drive it traditionally. Um, So it allows you to be pretty creative if you've got a working window of like grip. If you're not in that window of grip, it is miserable. Like you're just trying not to crash every corner. Right. Like, like you pushing is just trying not to crash and that sucks. That's not fun. That is very accurate. It's, um, you know, it's one of those just quintessential street circuits with so many different surface changes and bits of the track that were paved in 07, bits of the track that were built or paved in 17, bits of the track that were paved in 87. And you just, you just don't know, you know, what you're going to get or at any corner. And it's often like a massive concrete patch and right at the apex of something. So their grip level changes three times throughout one corner. And sort of to your point, Alex, like the one thing, even going all the way back, like one, the one cool thing about driving for Michael Andretti, who won that race more than anybody, won that thing seven times. He always said, he's like, you're never going to have a perfect car in Toronto. It's just about having the okayest car right? The most average car in every corner is going to be the fastest overall. You don't, yeah. Like you don't want to have a car that's great in one and three because then it's going to be, it's going to suck in like six and nine and 10, you know? So like, you don't want to have a car that's great in eight and nine, 10. I mean, it's going to say, you know, so it's, 
you kind of have to have something that's just sort of meh the whole way around the lap. And as a driver, that's a really tough thing to wrap your head around. Cause like, you're obviously always trying to achieve perfection, always trying to make it better, but it's just, you just got to look at the lap time and be like, all right, we just need to make the most compromised setup of pretty much any track. I think we go to in a lot of ways. And if you get it wrong, you're going to hit something. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, for sure. It's, it's the least margin like outside of an oval, it's, it's, there's the least margin that you have anywhere. So it's, yeah. uh, it's fun, but the it's event fun. is great. The event is great. The um, city is great. I heard a city's awesome. The, the, the event is, is, is fine. The fans are awesome. The city's awesome. The event is fine. Fair. Um, I have heard that there's a contract extension, hopefully going to be announced this weekend. Which is cool. It's nice to know that oh, we're cool. going to be around for a while. Because I'd be curious it, the, the to know war- if, like, within the contract extension, if there's like any demands for resurfacing or a bigger pit lane or 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 or. I wouldn't be surprised if there was something like that. Just because you wouldn't be the, or would be. I, I would not be surprised right. because obviously IndyCar knows that there's things that we want to be made a little bit better. The race promoters know that. The problem is, is it's not a it's not a racetrack that they own that they can just go do whatever they want, right? City streets, it's a lot more challenging. Uh, you need the local government on board. You need to make sure all yeah. that stuff plays. Um, but yes, I, I think that it's understood that it's a great event for the city of Toronto and it brings a lot to the city. And so the city itself is going to, you know, at some point jump in and do what needs to be done to make sure whatever changes need to be done. I've heard we've got some new fencing this year which I know has been something that the drivers have been asking for, which is cool. Um, And I do think there was a little bit of repaving done actually uh, for this year. I don't know exactly where I think maybe that nine, 10, 11 sections had some work done. That's good. Which would be great. Cause that's, that's the part that needed it the most for sure. Well, eight. Yeah. But eight's always kind of been like that. You can leave eight. Let it do its thing. (laughs) It does pay. It does pay if you, if you ship it and pull it off. Like it yes, if you in, figure it out, like big lap time. I'm talking yeah. several handfuls of tents. It's pretty awesome. Well, what's what's so cool about turn eight is right at the exit is the alternate start finish line. So, like if you're finishing a lap, you will do some pretty irresponsible things on entry there to gain time, knowing that you don't you don't have to worry about losing it on the exit, right? Like the whole saying, "slow in, fast out." Well, guess what? You could be super fast in and dog slow out and like the line's right there so it's almost no penalty to the point where like how many times have we seen guys just knock left rears off the thing firing it into eight trying to get that last lap in and qualifying it's 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 cool it's like but a like, bad feeling when you're what let's just say it's that bad feeling when you're coming around and you're like you're like a couple hundreds up when you're coming around seven. You're not like a huge amount of time up. So you can just kind of like do eight normally. You're like, oh man, if I'm going to do something, I got to make it all up in eight. And you just like have that feeling like, oh, here, well, we're going to do this, aren't we? All right. I guess we're doing it. Here we go. And you just fire it in and see what happens. But, but on, on that same, on that same thing. So like I was quickest in round two last year and they went into the fast six and I was up on my lap on used reds from what I did on new reds in round two. And I was up like 800s, 900, like call it a 10th. And I was like, just don't just, just finish the lap. <laughs> You've got pulled. Just finish. Don't even try. 
And I was fourth and I lost it all in turn eight. It was like, oh, yeah. oh man. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> was the lesson learned? Shoot. Is this something that we're going to look out for oh. in eight now? You're just going to be cooking it in there? Yeah, my left rear better be robust. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I forgot that I wanted to complain about Martin Brundle being a dick to celebrities on the grid, but we can save that oh. for another time because I'm sure he'll force another issue in the near mm-hmm. future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so have oh, fun in wait, Toronto. Hold boys. on. No, you know what we didn't talk about that I want to just touch on quick is the fact that this new movie that's being filmed about F1 legitimately had two cars on the starting grid at a Formula mm-hmm. One race to With get the like- footage they needed blankets and all the of thing. the kit and caboodle everything all of the equipment yeah. tires blankets all the carts laptops they have a full pit stand like the perch on pit wall the whole you the garage was outfitted with toolboxes and was pantry. standing was standing next to verstappen at driver intros i just yep. hope they were in i hope for the good the of driver's the sport, meeting that this movie's good because i won't let it be bad here's the thing <sighs> I will say, I will say it's going to be, I'm sure it's going to be great. What I really am sick and tired of hearing, right, is every time either Lewis, Brad Pitt, Jerry Bruckheimer, Joe Kaczynski, any of those guys are, act, are asked about the movie. At some point during the interview or answer comes the line, we want it to be the most realistic racing movie of all time you cast a 59 year old as the lead driver. <laughs> I think he Super froze frozen. or he's really driving this he's point. Really off. pissed. <laughs> All right. Still internet. And on that note, uh, <laughs> I think we call it. I, I mean, that was enough. Yeah. There's no way Brad Pitt would be driving competitively still. He ain't Tom Cruise. I was going to say Tom Cruise could do it. You could yeah. realistically put Tom Cruise in the cars. Sure. And I feel like he would like actually stay out there for a few laps. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Alex, good luck in Toronto. Uh, everybody can hear James talk again, uh, either here next week or on the broadcast because he is frozen solid for us. Which is on Peacock, everyone. Not NBC or USA. So, so download the app, pay the four ninety nine, and shut up. <laughs> it's a great app. I watch the races on Peacock. All right. Good luck. All right. See ya. This has been Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Off Track is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. We're at Ask Off Track on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow us on Twitter individually, I'm at Hinchtown. He's Alexander Rossi. And if you want to follow Tim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube and subscribe to our channel for exclusive video content. Off Track is produced by Tim Durham, and by that we mean Tim. Every day, our world gets a little more connected but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.